0: Thank you. Northridge, how are you guys? Good to see you. It's a very tempered applause, but I get it. It's like 11 degrees outside. Like, it's not a whole lot to clap about, right? So glad you guys are here. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here at Northridge. I want to welcome those of you that might be at one of our regional campuses. Those of you that are watching online, we are so glad that uh, you're with us. We have been in this series called uh, "Wide Awake." And this series, uh, we started at the very beginning of the year. And the, the whole concept behind the series was what would it look like if we kind of set like uh, a different kind of goal for the new year? Like, uh, And it's not even a goal as much as it's maybe an intention, a mindset, that we wanted to go into 2021 essentially saying how many moments like, of our day can we be consciously aware of God's presence? So, like, as we go through our day, how do we make it possible where we're not just like on autopilot, you know, where you're just kind of transitioning from one activity to another activity, but that somehow throughout your day, whether it's uh, as you're going to school or um, as you're walking around your campus or as you're going to work or as you're working from home, as you're being a mom, as you're doing whatever it is that you do during the day, how is it that we can live consciously aware that... God is constantly at work in us and all around us. And so we've been talking about the different things like in life that kind of help us live consciously aware. And today we're gonna talk a little bit about faith. We're gonna talk a little bit about belief and unbelief. Because I think that when it comes to just like life in general, those moments that we kind of walk into where all of a sudden we have to trust in something larger than ourselves. Wow, those are key moments because in in that moment, right, and this happens almost daily for most of us, we have these opportunities to choose belief or we choose unbelief. Like we choose, in other words, to move forward thinking that we're ultimately in control and it all depends on us and our work and our gifts and our abilities and our resources, or we choose to surrender and trust that there's somebody else that's in charge of this whole thing, right? And we're simply living surrendered to them. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I was kind of like working on this message, and I was trying to think about key moments in the Bible where somebody comes to a moment where they have to choose belief or unbelief. And there's tons of them, right? Like all throughout the Bible, almost every story is about somebody who at some point has to choose belief or unbelief. And there's some key ones that whenever we talk about faith, we tend to point to these because these are like the fun stories to like do sermons on. Like you talk about Moses when he comes to the Red Sea and it's a moment of belief or unbelief. Uh, you talk about Joshua when they come to the, he and the Israelites come to the Jordan River and it's flooded, and the Promised Land's on the other side, it's a moment of belief or unbelief. You can talk about David when he's facing Goliath, it's a moment of belief or unbelief. Talk about Peter on the side of the boat when Jesus calls him. It's a moment of belief and unbelief. There's there's tons of these stories, right? And those are like those big moments. They're fun to talk about, they're fun to preach on. But the reality is for most of us, those moments are pretty few and far between, those big heroic moments of faith. I've had some of those moments. They're awesome, they're incredible. Some of you, like here in this room or watching online, you've had those moments, those Moses crossing the Red Sea kind of moments, David charging Goliath kind of moments. But the reality is, more often than not, our life is not happening in that space. In fact, if we're really honest, a vast majority of our life, we kind of struggle when it comes to faith. We kind of struggle when it comes to belief or unbelief. And I'm kind of working on this message, and I'm trying to figure out, all right, which one of these stories would kind of be fun to kind of weave throughout this whole thing. And I get a um, direct message on Instagram and I felt like I was about to sneeze right there. And I had the thought, I've never sneezed in a message, I don't think, in my entire life. And it's not going to happen today either, I guess. Okay. So um, I, I got this uh, DM on Instagram from someone here at Northridge. And this is what they said. This was, I think it was Tuesday. Uh, they said, I'm struggling, and I could use your prayers. Between the impacts of COVID on my job this past year, a relationship falling apart, and me struggling to find purpose in my life, I just don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know if I can believe anymore. It's hard to have faith when you feel so beaten down. And so we just had this little conversation on Instagram, kind of going back and forth. But for me, I was, it, it was a real kind of pivot moment uh, for how I wanted to approach this message. Because that conversation for me I was like that's 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 real like that's where a lot of people are. I know I've been there before, and so that person they know who they are. have you ever felt you know sat in church and, and felt like, "Oh my gosh, I feel like that message was just for me? Well, for that Instagram person, this message is just for you. it really is uh, because it's not really just for you, it's for all of us because we've all been there, and we've all struggled with that, right and so I think we've all been at a place, and think about this, just be honest for a minute, right, with yourself. You ever been at that place where you prayed for something, but you didn't feel like you ever really got an answer? Have you ever been in that place where you prayed for something, but if you're really honest, you didn't actually believe that anything was going to happen as a result of your prayer? Have you ever been at the place where, and this is being really honest, right, you were so beaten down, you were so discouraged, you were so full of doubt that you didn't bother to pray at all. You just didn't have it in you, right? I've been there. I've had seasons like that. And if you've ever struggled with this tension between belief and unbelief, I want to introduce you to someone in the Bible that I think will be comforting for those of us who don't have Olympic levels of faith. So I'm going to read through this story. Before I do, I want to think about um, really two questions. They're essentially the same question, but the question I want us to kind of wrestle with is: How much faith does it take? Like, like seriously, like what's the level? Like, does it have to be Olympic level faith? Like, with no doubts whatsoever? Are we talking about just like a little bit of faith, and you can still kind of hold on to some of the questions and some of the doubt? Like, what's this look like? How much faith does it take? And what does God require in the belief department? Like. What do we have to believe? How much do we have to believe? So I want to wrestle with those two questions as we look at this story that's found in Mark chapter 9. Let me kind of read through it, and then we'll kind of back away from the story and talk about it. It says, The man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but They could not. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because if you were to rewind three chapters before this in Mark chapter 6, we're told that Jesus had sent the disciples out, that they were doing miracles, that they were doing healings, that they were driving out demons. But for some reason, in this moment, they're in a position where they can't do it. They tried and they failed. So Jesus, right up before this, had been up on the mountain. He's up there with three disciples. There's... Uh, Peter, there's John, and there's James. He's got the three; those three disciples up there. He leaves the other ones back behind, and he's like, hey, you guys take care of shop for me. Well, I'm, I'm gonna be up on the mountain. Like, just keep doing your thing, keep doing your ministry. So they try, but they fail. They don't have the ability, which reminds me that Jesus all the time allows his followers to be put in a position where they don't have what it takes to pull off whatever it is you feel like you have to pull off. Right? Some of you are there right now. Like you feel like you're following Jesus, but you find yourself in this place where you're like, I I don't, I don't, I don't have the experience for this. Of course you don't. Right? Of course you don't. You're like, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the resources for this. Of course you don't. You're like, I don't, I don't, I don't have the skill set for this. Of course. Of course you don't, right? This happens all the time. Jesus allows us to get in these situations that are far beyond our ability, that we can't do on our own, and we're reminded how much we need him. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So it sounds like Jesus is being harsh here, and he kind of is, but he's, he's, he's trying to remind them of something. There's this uh, very common thought back in ancient days that the way in which you kind of, got the divine powers to work, like the way you got the divine power to like drive out a a demon or something like that or to heal somebody was all about technique. They thought it was all about, you had to use the right words, the right combination of words. You had to like do it just, you know, this particular technique. And what Jesus was always trying to remind them was it's not about technique. It's not about the right combination of words. It's not about, you know, religion. It's not about some kind of method. This is about faith. This is about your relationship with Father God. And so that's why he's kind of harsh with them. But he says, bring, bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us." It's this prayer that's, let's be honest, not a very strong prayer, right? It's like, you know, if, if you can do anything, like, have pity on us. Like, if, you know, I don't know, I kind of doubt you can, but if you can, like, that would be great, kind of help us out. Jesus picks up on that. He says, if you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I love that's It's interesting, right? He's like, I believe, but I have unbelief. And at the first read, we kind of are like, well, make up your mind. What is it? Do you have faith or not? Do you have belief or unbelief? Which is it? He's like, I have belief, but I also have unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And in an instant, the boy is healed. So we have this story, right? You have a father who has a son. And this father, I'm sure like any father, has all kinds of dreams for his son. Um, He wants his son to grow up honoring God. He wants his son to love scripture. You know, he wants his son to be surrounded with friends and wants his son maybe one day to get married. And maybe one day his son's going to have a kid and he becomes a grandfather. He's going to teach his son the trade that he had learned. Like he's just got all these dreams, right? But, but none of that's going to happen because for reasons the father doesn't understand and for reasons we don't understand, this son has this condition and he's possessed with this evil spirit. And this has all kinds of impacts on his life, both physical and emotional and spiritual. Physically, we're told he's foaming at the mouth, convulsions, his life is at risk from moment to moment. On top of that, there's the emotional and spiritual aspect, right? Like this father has to watch as his son is mocked and shunned and feared by all the other kids. His son is never going to have a friend, he's never going to marry, he's never going to have children, his son is never going to work. All the hopes and dreams he had for his son, they're not going to happen. And he tells Jesus that his son has been like this from childhood, which leads us to believe that his son now is probably a young adult. So he's been dealing with this a long time. And if there's anything that I know about the dad in this story... If you're, you're a dad or if you're a mom, like if you're a parent at all, you know that if you've ever had a kid that's been sick, if you've ever had a kid maybe that struggled, had cancer, if you ever had a kid that maybe as they got older made some really poor choices and you were concerned about them or maybe had a, a, a kid that was caught in a devastating cycle of addiction, like what I, what I know about you is that that was a season that you were on your knees praying, right? Nothing will drive you to prayer quicker having a son or a daughter that's sick or in danger or in an unhealthy place. And so what I know about this father is that this is a father who tried prayer. I guarantee you he tried prayer. He probably went to bed every night praying that God would heal his son. Like every night, it's like, God, do you see what's going on with my son? Like, do you know? Do you care? Do you care? Will you do anything? Will you heal him? And I imagine every morning he gets up to go check on his son to see if his son's been healed, and nothing, nothing. And every time some guru or priest or rabbi would come through their village, I imagine he would probably get his son and take his son to them, hoping that they could heal him didn't happen. And one day he hears about Jesus, and he hears about Jesus' disciples who have been going from village to village and have been doing miracles and healing people, and he allows himself to get his hope up again that maybe this time it's going to work. And so he takes his boy to the disciples, and they pray over him, just like they've prayed over dozens of other people that have been healed and demons that have been driven out, and they do their thing, and nothing, nothing happens. Same prayer, same way they've always done it, nothing happens. And um, eventually Jesus shows up. And it's in the midst of that, right, that Jesus shows up. Jesus kind of walks into the scene and he asks about the condition of the boy and the father just pours his heart out to Jesus. Now, I want to pause for a second because I think it's interesting what got that dad in front of Jesus in the first place. I think it's interesting what got the dad into the presence of Jesus. What brought the dad to the feet of Jesus was what? It was his son. More specifically, it was his son's condition, right? It was his crisis. It was his pain. It was his hurt that brought him there to Jesus. It was the one part of his life that was not turning out the way he thought it should turn out. It was his setback. And what we begin to see is that our setback sometimes is a set up, right? It's a set up for what Jesus is gonna do. What we begin to see here is obstacles don't block the path. Obstacles are the path, right? It's the obstacle, it's the pain, it's the hurt, it's the anguish, it's the confusion, it's the question, It's the part of your life that isn't turning out the way you thought it was gonna turn out. That obstacle, it's not blocking you from the path. It is the path. It takes him exactly to where he needs to be, which is in the presence of Jesus. And then he makes this prayer to Jesus, right? We looked at this just a second ago. He says, if if you can do anything, have mercy on us. Again, it's it's not a great prayer of faith. This is not a compliment to Jesus, right? If you can do anything, right? This is not a prayer that anybody's ever going to turn into a worship song. Nobody's going to print that prayer off and put it on the refrigerator as a reminder of great faith, right? It's just it's not going to happen. Like if you can do, you're never going to go to church and the pastor's going to stand up there and be like, Heavenly Father, if you could do anything, like it'd be great if you showed up today, right? Like that's it's probably just not going to happen. But it's weird this dad is at? And everybody that's kind of there on the scene, I imagine they all kind of lean in, right? Because they're like, okay, how how is Jesus going to respond to this guy? And Jesus picks up on it immediately, right? He's not clueless to it. He picks up on it, and he comes back with, if you can. And then he says these staggering words. He says, everything is possible, to which I imagine the dad's hopes go way up. But then he follows up the everything is possible with for him who believes. And then that breaks the dad's heart. Because that's his problem. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I know. But that's my problem. I don't know if I do believe. Like I want to believe but uh, i got a lot of questions. i got a lot of doubts. I have a whole history of being let down. I have a history of getting my hopes up and then it just gets crushed. And I love how Mark puts it, right? Mark says that the man responds immediately. Immediately. So it's like so close to the surface that it just comes rushing out. He says, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Right? Essentially, he's saying, I believe, but I doubt. I want, but I'm afraid. Essentially, it's like his, his faith is just a tower of jello, right? But in that moment, what does he do? He takes one small step towards Jesus. Right? It's, it's not a real brave step. It's not like Moses charging across the Red Sea. This is not a Joshua stepping into the Jordan River with all kinds of confidence. This is not David running towards Goliath. This is, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. Right? It is a, it's a small step. but. It, Here's the beautiful thing is that sometimes the smallest step in the right direction ends up being the biggest step of your life. And that's what it was for this dad. It's a small step. It's like a tiptoe, right? But that small step in the right direction towards Jesus ended up being the biggest step of his life. So tiptoe, if you must. But take the step. Now, I want to take just a second to speak to those of you who maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you've been kind of teetering between unbelief and belief when it comes to Jesus. Maybe you've been around like spirituality for a long time and you're very interested in Christianity and you're interested in Jesus, but like you still got a long list of questions. You are know, like, I, yeah, I love the idea of Jesus. I love the idea of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And, and let's be honest, almost all of us have figured out at some point, like, we need forgiveness, right? Like, we, we've kind of all figured out that we fall short, right? We, that if there's any kind of, like, getting in, it's going to have to be graded on some kind of big curve or something, right? Like, because at our best, like, tomorrow's mistakes hopefully will be better than the mistakes that we made yesterday, that's about all we have to hope for. We've all kind of figured out we, we need something, right? We need some kind of Savior. And so there's a lot of you who have kind of been around the block when it comes to Jesus and church and all that. But you have felt like, or maybe somebody even told you this, you've got to get all those questions answered. And you've got to resolve all that doubt. And then you can come to Jesus. But don't try to come to Jesus when you still have all these questions about like, what about the dinosaurs? And what about this? And what about Adam and Eve? And how did that work? Like, because, like, and I get it, right? We all, we all have questions and doubts. And what I want to help you understand is coming to Jesus isn't about resolving all of your doubt and answering all your questions before you come. In fact, part of the journey of following Jesus, giving your life to Him, listen, I, I've been following Jesus to the best of my ability for a long time now. Like, I've given a good portion of my life over to trying to understand and teach the Bible and help all of us come on this journey. I have all kinds of unanswered questions. I have a mountain of doubt. I have so much doubt and so many questions. If I were just to stand up here and tell you about all of them, I would probably destroy your faith. So, Coming to Jesus isn't about answering all the questions and resolving all the doubt. At some point, what has to happen for all of us is we take that little step. It's just a small step. It's the steps towards, listen, I got a lot of questions and I got a lot of concerns and I got a lot of doubt, but in this moment, I'm choosing my belief over my unbelief. And God, I'm gonna trust what Jesus did on the cross could be applied to my life. I'm gonna trust that you did for me what I could never do for myself. And I'm going to believe in your love, and I'm going to believe in your grace. At some point, it's that small step. And so I'd I'd be crazy right now not to give you an opportunity to take that small step. The message isn't over, but I just want to pause for just a second and give those of you that are here, those of you that are watching online, the opportunity to take this very small step in the right direction that I believe will end up being the most important step of your entire life, to give your life to Jesus. And you can bring right now all of your doubts. You can bring all of your questions. But just in this moment, choose belief over unbelief. You can do that right now, wherever you're at right now. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? And just in your heart, maybe pray a simple prayer like this. Just say, Dear God, with as much as I understand about you in this moment, I want to give my life to you. I want what Jesus did on the cross to be applied to my sin. I need your forgiveness. And yes, I have questions. And yes, I have doubts. I have unbelief but in this moment I am choosing belief and I want to take a step towards you amen it's that simple right that's the beginning of what our journey with Jesus looks like it's this one small step that ends up being the most important step of your life and the dad in the story he does it he takes this step towards Jesus he says I I do believe, help me with my unbelief. And Jesus heals his son. And it brings us to what I think is a really important question, which is how much faith is enough, right? What what does God require in the belief department? Well, if you look at this story, honestly, it's a pretty simple thing, right? You just need enough faith to come to Jesus and say, I need your help. That's all this dad does in the story. All he does is show up and he asks. He's not certain. He's definitely not certain. But he's real. Some of us beat ourselves up all the time, right? Some of you have been on this journey of following Jesus for a long time, and you still beat yourself up because you think that you worry too much. You think you doubt too much. You think you waver too much. You think you don't have a strong enough faith. But listen, you know what? Like, you have enough faith if you have enough faith to just show up and say, Jesus, if you can do anything, right? According to the Bible, apparently that's enough. And I think that's amazing. I'll tell you something that maybe you've never heard a pastor say before. You may never hear another pastor say it again. Um, I think that doubt gets a really bad rap. I do. Like I just don't think that doubt is such a bad thing because usually what happens for most people is doubt is kind of this passageway that leads you to something that is greater and, and deeper. It can lead you to a life of being more wide awake. Almost every person I've ever met with like a great faith has also had moments and seasons where they've had great doubt. Because doubt, for whatever reason, seems to be part of the pathway of growth, right? In fact, you, if you show me somebody who has no doubt in their life, I'll show you someone that's probably not growing. Think about this story. Like, yeah, you could, if you wanted to, choose to focus in on the fact that the dad in the story has doubt, he has unbelief. But the reason he has unbelief is because he also had faith, right? He had enough faith to get them there in front of Jesus, right? So yeah, he, he, he has some unbelief, but the reason he has unbelief is because he also had belief. I'll give you another example in the Bible. Peter. Peter's on the boat. Jesus calls him to come out on the water. There's a storm, remember? We tend to, when we talk about the story, always focus on the fact that Peter sinks. And we remind people, hey, when you're in a storm... Don't look at the storm. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus, which is a a good thing to follow. Like, yes, you should do that. But I think the story is a lot deeper than that, because Peter only has his moment of doubt because he first had a moment of faith. He got out of the boat. Show me somebody with great faith, and I'll also show you somebody who has, at times, bouts of great doubt. The two almost kind of go hand in hand So, how much faith is enough? Just enough faith to be authentic. Just enough faith, like to be real, right? You look at this story, and this is what's amazing about Jesus Jesus prefers honesty to certainty every time. He prefers honesty over certainty. I love that about him. Like, you don't have to be sure, you just got to be real. Come to him with your questions and your doubts but come to them. See, here's the problem. I I think for those of us who look at doubt and think that doubt's always a bad thing, to, to think that doubt is a bad thing would mean that you believe that you have to live your life with clarity. And the reality is very, very few of us ever have clarity about any circumstance or about any decision that we're making. Right? Like clarity is just something that not very often do we ever kind of you know attain that so think of it like this um have you you ever used uh, like a gps in, in your car raise your hand if you've ever used like a gps or an app or something i use waze anybody use waze i don't know if it really works or not but apparently they say that waze like is like listening to everybody else, and they're reporting from cars, and so it's going to give you the fastest way around. I think some of you that were coming to this particular service, there was some kind of accident or fire or something out there that was causing you guys to be stuck in traffic. You clearly don't use ways. If you had had ways on, it would have taken you a different way around the accident, or so they say, right? But what's interesting is sometimes you ever been doing this, whether it's that app or you know maps or something else, uh, you're, you're driving. And then all of a sudden, you kind of have an idea where you're going, but you still have it on, right? And it takes you down a road that you haven't gone before. And you're like, ah, oh, that's interesting. Like, and, and it'll do that because what, what, these apps, for the most part, just give you the next step, right? So it'll say, hey, in 2.3 miles, you need to merge onto M14, right? And then you merge onto M14, and it gives you the next step. Hey, go along on this for 7.4 miles, and then I want you to, you know, get off at this exit. So all, for the most part, that you see is the next step. And most of the time we're okay with that until, again, we find ourselves going down a road that we're not familiar. And we're like, I actually think I have some doubt here. I don't know that this app is correct. Like, I think actually I should have probably went this way. And you find yourself on this road you've not been on before, and you have all these questions and all this doubt. And so then what you probably did is there's a little button on almost all these apps that you can go from that big version to what they call like the step-by-step version. And it shows you all the steps. And it's like, oh, okay, I see now. So I'm on this road like for 1.6 miles, but then it's going to put me on this road. That puts me on that road. It puts me on that road. And then I'm going to end up where I need to be. And then all of a sudden you have peace. So you're kind of going through in life, though, and all of a sudden you find yourself on a road that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. You're not going in the direction that you thought you were going on. You never thought you'd be on this road in life. Oh, my gosh, this happened. That happened. You never saw that coming, and you panic, and you want to know all of a sudden all the steps, right? And you're like, God, I need, to know, I, I need to know how this road that I'm on now is going to connect to the next road, and the next road, and the next road to ultimately get me where I want to be. But life doesn't work that way, does it? It just doesn't. You don't get to hit a button and see all the steps and see how it all connects and how you're going to end up ultimately where you want to be. So what happens in our panic is we get so focused on the outcome. You want to know the outcome. You want to know how all this is going to work out? I don't blame you. I do too. But guess what? We don't have any control over the outcome. Stop worrying about the outcome. Focus on the decision. Focus on your next right decision. Belief or unbelief. That, that's in your control. You got that. You can choose belief or unbelief in every moment. You can see every, you know, every single situation that you're in. It's either you know, an obstacle or it's an opportunity. But at some point, you have to realize the outcome is not the point. You have no control over the outcome. All you have control over is the decision in that moment, unbelief or belief. Let me give you one more illustration that might help some of you guys out. Um, you guys know I like, I'm, I'm a visual learner, so visuals help me out quite a bit. Um, you guys know the name of this painting? Just yell it out. Yeah, Mona Lisa. Um, it's interesting you could figure that out, though, because there's a piece that's missing from the painting, but you still figured it out. In fact, any piece of this, you know, I could move this piece to right here on her face. You would still probably be able to tell me. That's the Mona Lisa, and it's because you have perspective, right? You also have some history with this painting. You have history, and you have perspective, which allows you to look at that and say, oh, yeah, 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 I I know what that is. There's a piece missing, but I can still kind of figure that out. Now, let's take away your perspective, and now all of a sudden, you're zeroed in on the missing piece. If you're zeroed in on the missing piece, guess what? You can't tell... What else is going on there. All you see is the missing piece. And that is exactly where some of you are at right now. You're so lasered in on that missing piece, you've lost all perspective and all history with what God has been doing in your life. You focus in on the missing piece, and I get it. That, it's so tempting, isn't it? Because you want to know who. You want to know what. You want to know where. You're dying to know when. It's the missing piece, and we got lots of them floating around. It's the unanswered question. It's the unresolved doubt. Like, I get it. I get it. I understand why I and all of us tend to, like, get so lasered in on the missing piece. But I'm telling you, the more lasered in you are to the missing piece, the more you're missing of the whole picture. And here's the reality about your life, even though you have a missing piece. And maybe some of you have a couple missing pieces, some who's, some what, some wins, some where's. Even though you have a missing piece, there are some things that you know. There is. There's some things that you know. Let's talk about that for just a second. This I know. I have a good God. I have a really good God. And whew. I look back on my life. I don't deserve a lot of that goodness. I look back on my life. I see time and time again where I did not deserve his mercy and his grace. But I got it anyway. I have a good God and to the degree I'm willing to trust him. Oh, man. Someone on the creative team sent this cartoon this week and I thought this was great. It's Jesus and a little girl and the little girl's holding her little bear. And Jesus says, just trust me. And the little girl's like, but I love it, God. And I was like, oh, man, that's like a really kind of sweet way of illustrating a really important point and a devastating dynamic that so many of us have where we're like holding on to our little stuff bear. You're holding on to your little way that you thought life should work out and you thought you should be with this person and you thought you should live here and you thought you should be at this place in your career and you're you're just clinging on to your little thing and Jesus is like, "Just, just trust me. Like, I got a much bigger bear for you. Just trust me. But we want to cling. So we got to remember this I know have a really good God that I can trust. Yep, I got doubts, I've got questions, I've got some missing pieces, but this I know, my God is a good God. Right, do you believe that? This I know, He's unfailing. This I know, His ways are so much higher in my ways this I know when I feel completely alone I'm not because he's right there with me this I know he's numbered every single hair on my head he's counted every single tear that's ever fallen from my eyes right, this I know that He has a plan for my life. This I know, there's nothing I could ever do to be separated from His love. This I know, He is closer to me right now than the very air that I breathe. Yep, you got some questions, you got some doubts, some things that are not going the way that you thought they should go. But there's also some things that you know. In other words, inside of you right now, there's both belief and there's unbelief. And you get to choose right now if you're going to have faith. Faith is not living this life where you don't have doubts and you don't have any unbelief. No, 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 no. Faith is just this. Faith is realizing you have both belief and unbelief in your life, but you're going to act on the belief part. So you choose. You don't get to choose the outcome. None of us do. What you do get to choose is whether or not you believe in this very moment. And I'm praying that whatever it is that has you absolutely scared to death in this moment, that you'll choose belief. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for meeting us in this place. We thank you for reminding us that even though there's some missing pieces and some doubts and some questions that we all have, that there's still also some things that we can know. And we know that you're a good way. We know that you're a good God. We know that despite confusion and doubts and questions, in feelings of loneliness you are there with us so God I pray that you will remind us in the midst of all of our doubts and questions and missing pieces that you are a good God and that every one of us has the power every moment of our day to choose belief over unbelief and it's in those small steps in the right direction that we sometimes experience the biggest moments of our life. It's in your holy and your precious name that we pray. Amen.